Good morning and welcome to another edition of Black Pill Radio. Hope everyone is well. Today we will be talking about homelessness. That's going to be our topic, homelessness. We'll touch on mental health a little bit. We'll also touch on gentrification and affordable housing. On the line right with me now, I have two guests. Hopefully there'll be a third guest chiming in, but we're going to let them introduce themselves and then we'll get right into the show. So Ron, can you go first, please? Sure. Good morning. Good morning, all to the panelists as well as uh, your listeners. Uh, once again, we're here with you, Tyler, to a very important topic in our community, Ron Peterson. And I've, I became intimate from a professional side with homeless some 15, 20 years ago, uh, writing a proposal for temporary shelter and then becoming the director of, uh, of a nonprofit organization that uh, specialized in homeless and low income housing. Good morning to all. Good morning. And Tashar? Good morning, everyone. Happy uh, Father's Day to everyone. And uh, thank you, Tyler, for having me on your show. I am Tashar Bryant, author of From Welfare to Queen. And that is my personal experience of being homeless with my, it's a book about, sorry, my personal experience of being homeless in the shelters with my three children while pregnant. And during that journey, I was able to stabilize my housing, go through college, and graduate. Thank you for having me on the show again. Thank you for being on the show with us. And last, Candace, are you are you still on the line, Candace? All right, so I'm not sure if Candace is with us, but we will begin the broadcast. So, Ron, I'm going to come to you first. Um, when we talk about homelessness, how does homelessness affect you? Well, let me let me take a, a step back for a moment. Let me, according to Congress, let me just put a definition around what homeless uh, represents as far as political, socioeconomic, according to Congress. And that was established around 1994 by what was called the Stuart McKinney Act. And what, how they describe homeless is a person is considered homeless who lacks a fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime res- residence and has a primary nighttime residence that is a supervised public or private operated shelter, an institution that provides a temporary residence for individuals intended to be institution- institutionalized, excuse me, a public or private place not designated for ordinary use as a regular sleeping accommodation for human beings. The term homeless individual does not include any individual in prison or otherwise detained pursuant to an act. Okay, so back in 1994, they established this act, which they call homelessness, because of the prevailing um, issues around those who were without domicile. And according to some of the la- some of the most recent statistics, there's about a half a million to better who fall into that category throughout the country every night. Uh, so for me, what it, what it, it's a combination of things because being a community activist, being involved in community economic development, I've had an opportunity to look at it on several different levels. Culturally, one, um, it brings a cultural nuance to us as you know, African-Americans that uh, now we're tracked a certain way. I know years ago, uh, at least in my fam- family, uh, we took in, you know, our, our, our grandparents and old, uh, those who are older who, who, you know, may have not had the wherewithal to live by themselves or were older, and so they didn't, couldn't live by themselves by virtue of their age and perhaps some disability. I mean, families doubled up, tripled up. We did what we had to do to keep the family intact, and so it wasn't that much of an issue around homeless, at least in my family, from my family's perspective. And as we moved on um, uh, and began to move into the urban areas, into the cities, I come from uh, Virginia, South Carolina, and as we moved on into the cities, it became a a whole other issue because of the smallness of the apartments, et cetera, and because of acculturation, if I I like to call it, of, of, of you know, of uh, our lives, and so that extended family became less and less and less to the generation now where, where I mean, it's, if you live in public housing um, and you 
you know, you your income or your public housing subsidy is affected by you having another person if you legally report them in your household, whether it be a, a family member or not. So you're so you're kind of desensitized towards having someone else live with you and doing the right thing or having it found out where now you become at risk of being home, homeless. So the question uh, is, Ron, it, it, how does homelessness affect you? Uh, personally, correct. There again, um, as 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 an African American male, it affects me culturally. It affects me culturally to uh, to be on the look at what are some of the things that I can do to contribute to lessen the issue and lessen the degree of, of, of homelessness. And if you're, you're, I mean, from from housing on up to mental health, on up to uh, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we define our communities and how do we build our communities? So I have a passion in that area as a, as a community economic development practitioner is to look at the issue and the problems and the solutions, potential solutions to that. So that's how it affects me directly. Excellent. So we're going to come to Candace. I want to introduce her and bring her on. So Candace, can you briefly introduce yourself? Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Candace Morales. Um, I'm the communications assistant for the Boston City Council, as well as the local TV and radio host in Boston. Um, over the past couple of years, I've been working with um, homelessness and homeless people in the community um, through community service. So volunteering my time at different shelters, as well as running different drives to collect, whether it's clothes, um, shoes, sneakers, or toiletries for people experiencing homelessness. So the question I threw out in the beginning, Candace, was how does homelessness affect you directly? Um, whether you're personally homeless, been homeless, or have families who are homeless, you're working with homeless people, you're putting together legislation for homelessness, how does it affect you directly? I personally have never experienced homelessness directly, but I do work with um, people who are putting together legislation and, um, you know, I've been volunteering my time. And like the gentleman just said earlier, um, homelessness affects me culturally and emotionally. You know, every day, um, just in my day-to-day, it's something that we have to see. And it's not something that I can particularly turn a blind eye to. So that's why I decided to put myself in this position where I can give back and help, whether it's to just try to make a difference in the life of one person who's experiencing homelessness. That's how I've been moving forward in this. Okay. And I'm going to come to Tashar. How does it affect you? Okay. So, um, it affected me actually many years ago, which brought me to my book, which is from welfare to queen. So I'll go how it affected me before I say how it affects me now. Okay. So basically a little history on that from Welfare to Queen is the book. I come in chapter one talking about um, <laughs> Christmas when I decided to be homeless um, due to a personal hardship, which was domestic violence. So I had enough, grabbed the three babies while I was pregnant, and I went to a shelter. I come from a middle uh, class family income. I was the only child, went to Catholic schools all my life. And so it just got to that point of domestic violence, me getting married early as a teen, 18, and, and escalated to a, a nice family. That was my personal hardship, um, you know, because basically um, with homelessness, it's something that is complex. It's a complex issue. It's a complex cause that comes with it, but it all boils down to a conflict between the system and the individual. So, for example, I can remember trying to get out my situation, you know, of domestic violence, going to court, trying to obtain an order of protection, because um, to get an order of protection, you had to prove that, you know, at least I had to prove I was being abused. So that was through police reports, and they were not being taken back in those days. So when the police report's not taken, the police, they come to the scene, they chalk it up, you know, you heard the old saying, you know, tell God to walk it off. Okay, well, what happens when he comes back? He knows what's going to happen when he comes back. 
all right? And so when that happened to me, um, it's kind of hard to pull your kids up out of bed and all sorts of time and night. You know, they're on schedule. They go to school. So I repeated this process until I made sure police reports were done. I followed up with the police. I'm like, I need my police report. Sometimes it wasn't done, you know. Okay, so I had to wait for the next incident. So I discovered that, you know, depending on the location of the incidents, because I, I went for my mom. I was homeless before I went to the shelter. So I was just, like, going from my mom to my husband at the time. And what I noticed is that the location of the police reports or the incidents, if it was in a project versus private buildings, when the police responded, they responded differently. So with that, um, I found I had to be a little bit smarter on trying to get out of that situation, though it took a long time. So like I said, um, it's a personal hardship. It's a conflict between the system and the individual. It's what happened to me. What I'm doing for it or about it now is that I'm focusing on my goal. I wrote a book because out of all of that, I, it was really important for me to stabilize my housing for my children and myself. So once I did that, it became a personal journey to empower me, um, which is different from me getting education and knowledge on uh, how to just live and basic life skills at this point. So when I learned all that, I put myself through college, graduated, and now um, at this point, my goal is to use my experience basically to find solutions and network with, you know, other people who share the same goal. And my goal is to empower individuals, um, you know, with their choices, uh, life skills training, education. That helped me. And also, uh, it works on you mentally. Uh, being homeless is traumatic. So uh, my goal is to help people through that trauma to see their future self. And that's what I had to do to cope. I literally had to imagine myself not in that situation Kind of like, um, would you say, the universal laws of attraction. I literally was doing that before I even knew what that was um, at this day and age in my life. And so that's what I want to do for others. I want them to envision while they're going through that, the future self. And sometimes you just have to mentally cope to get out of that and, and see the positive side to draw that to you. And uh, that, those are, that, that's my personal hardship, past and present, um, my goals. Yeah, got it, got it. So, Ron, I want to bring this to you. When we talk about homelessness, we're, we're usually looking at affordable housing. Um, there's some mental health, mental health issues surrounded around that, gentrification, unemployment, underemployment, prison, and the issues that come about with prison, poor credit, and the issues that stem a uh, history of poor credit within the black community. Um, what do we add to that and what are solutions for one of those issues? So you can take one of those issues, whether it be affordable housing, mental health, um, the prison system, underemployment, unemployment, um, add to that and then give us a solution for that. Okay, Tyler, that's, 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 that's a lot. That's <laughs> an awesome challenge because, because the, the, the dynamics of that, someone mentioned it earlier, aren't really that simple and easy because they are compounded. So uh, let, let me try to do that from uh, from housing, affordable housing. And that's the affordable housing is, is, is kind of a, a, a misnomer per se. What's affordable in one geographic, one city may not be in another. What's affordable, affordable in... And one part of Manhattan may not be affordable in another part of of Manhattan. So affordability is that there's a legal governmental term. Affordability is is that you can afford to pay at least thirty percent, thirty three and a third percent of your income on housing. In many cases, in uh, uh, depending on where you are geographically and what kind of job you have, that puts you in a, into an at risk categories for example if you're a service worker minimum wages both families are earning you know minimum wage both parents in a two family two parent household you know earning minimum wages in new york you're overburdened you're not going to find affordable in the hood you're not going to find affordable housing in the in new york new york city now if you went to a suburban area that same income 
that two family uh, income earners, there's a good possibility you're able to find affordable housing. You might even be able to find a nice mobile home, you know. Uh, so it, it, it's it, it's a mixed bag of tricks in terms of in terms of what is affordability. So, having said that, I would also add it's got to be it, it's got to be a, a political will that establishes policies, procedures, etc. That will sort of eliminate or remove or lessen homelessness. Now, that's a great challenge because we're living in a capitalistic economy. And then the capitalistic economy is all about the profit margin. And so, I mean, that kind of we're working almost against each other in that sense. Let me give you an example. Tyler, you know, I was over in Dubai. Dubai has close to a zero, a zero homeless population. Um, okay, they're a monarch system. They're under, under uh, you know, the royal family controls Dubai, what have you, but it's, unemployment is, is low, um, uh, uh, crime is low, homelessness is low. Why? Because the government takes care of everybody. Um, they believe that if they provide the basic services to, the, to those who are, who are nationals, then they don't have to want for anything. That's a political will that creates that, that, that social dynamic. Here's a little, here's a little different. So... There are a couple of things that, that as a solution, we've got to start. Because homelessness almost becomes a generational thing because we have to start from an educational, educational level, one, a well-being that, that creates a well-mental state because, because you're, 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 if you're challenged with some kind of mental disability, there's a potential for you to be homeless as well. If you go into any institution what have you at a certain age and you don't come out with a, with income that will put you into an affordable apartment then you have a potential to be homeless homeless so there's a combination of things and we've got to start with the next general the next generation creating a wellness around finances education uh, 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 being able to somewhat uh, self-sufficient when I mean self-sufficient, being able to, to be able to provide some of the basic needs to create that next generation of well-being, both culturally, socially, financially, and economically. So we have to really look at that in a holistic perspective and look at the individual or the family unit in a, to, you know, in a total. And they say that many are maybe one paycheck, you know, two paychecks away from being homeless. Because we don't have a, we don't have adequate savings, and that's a that's a part of the level perhaps part of the level of pay pay that we're seeing salary etc. And also could be a part and parcel that we may be paying 50 percent of our salary to live in New York to our housing. So it, it it it's a combination. We've got to. There's no one size fits all. We've got to develop develop our expertise and wherewithal to look at the a totality of the issues, uh, both political, social, geographic, culturally, that would lead at risk, would lead one to be at risk of being homeless. So it's not that, you know, my, my, my solution is not, it can't be as simple as one thing, but to offer that we've got to look at a multiple, uh, you know, ways of, 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 of looking at it. And I commend the sister that has gone through and successfully you know, gone through that the system because it can create on the outside a whole other issue, a whole another issue. As I mentioned at the onset, I became part of understanding the whole notion of homelessness by writing proposals for transitional facility, and that means that you're transitioning from one homeless facility shelter into another, and it's not permanent housing. And that's a whole, that's a whole industry economic industry and the real estate business unto itself. It got nothing to do with, you know, it had nothing to do with homelessness per se, but if those monies could have been used, could have, should have been used for permanent housing as opposed to transitional housing, that's, that's one less, you know, homeless potential person that's, that's out there. So there are a lot of dynamics that go into the issue of homelessness, and, uh, you know, that's my offer. 
Got you. So, Candace, I'm going to come to you. Ron touched on affordable housing, but he also touched on a lot of other issues that affect why a person might be homeless. Um, Looking at the issues of affordable housing, mental health, gentrification, unemployment, underemployment, the prison system, credit system, the for-profit businesses that benefit from people being homeless and and the different things that go into that. Um, Pick one of those and elaborate on it as far as it affecting homelessness. And if you have, what would be a solution to help remedy that? Um, So I feel like all of those things lead to homelessness in some way or another. Um, If we take gentrification, for example, um, there are so many different developments going up everywhere and the cost of living is rising. And unfortunately, people don't have the means to afford to live in their neighborhoods anymore. So they're getting pushed out with absolutely nowhere to go or nowhere to turn. Um, And I'm seeing that all the time. I think that's the biggest issue in my city right now. Um, And unfortunately, I don't have a solution because I'm still trying to educate myself on this, which I think um, was mentioned before. I think that's so important is just having the education behind this. So that's why I'm involving myself in the work that I'm doing now so I could find out um, a different way to help. Even with the prison system, I hear people all the time talking about being released from prison and they have nowhere to go. There are no programs put in place, so maybe we can start there. You know, maybe we can start with creating some type of program, some transitional programs for people, whether it be um, from jail or if you're getting pushed out of your home because you can't afford to live there anymore. I don't, I don't, I personally don't see enough of that. I think we have a lot of different shelters in place where people can go and spend a certain amount of time, but there's just no real assistance in um, getting people back into position where they can even afford to live somewhere. Well, I know if you're convicted and you have a felony on your record, it's really hard to get financial aid if you want to attend an education institution and better yourself. Um, So you you have a hard time getting financial aid. Um, You have a hard time getting public housing, public assistance just for that felony. And you know how we are targeted by the system to collect felonies. And it's all part of the big business, the big plan. Um, So I'm going to come to Tashar. We touched a little bit on affordable housing and the prison system. Um, Looking at some of these other issues of mental health, gentrification, underemployment, unemployment, credit, the for-profit institution that benefits off of all of this, um, which area can you touch on and and elaborate a little bit about it in regards to homelessness, and do you have any solution or solutions for that? Well, um, like Candice Ron said, it's such... It's, it's just a wide range of reasons why someone might be homeless. So for me to pick one, I can't because I've, I've, I have either experienced it myself of being homelessness, seeing others go through it, help people in the field of work that I am in, uh, obtain housing. It's, it's just a one big ball of statistics of different individuals. Um, as everyone's touched upon, like Ron said, knowledge basically will help as a solution. Okay, fine. Knowledge. And knowledge and action, as Ron was saying, you know, what he's doing is it's helpful as well. And I could definitely go back in the history of how homelessness began, but if we all remember, and, you know, throughout the, the evolution of his, history of homelessness, you know, you could date that, that pre to the Civil War. Okay, fine. When you had displaced people who were displaced because of, you had soldiers displaced the wars. When you fast forward, like Candace is saying, with the gentrification, you're still dealing with the conflict between the system and the individual. So the solution, we can find that, Somewhere in there, we dig deep, right? You always have your budget cuts, with a, which affects it. You have the need by the people, and there's different types of people. You have runaways. You know, you could you could pick a category. You have children with families, like Kansas was saying. You have ex ex convicts, convicts. You even have veterans, okay? And that might be due to like you know I said earlier, personal hardship. So the solution, you could pick one. 
My whole issue with picking one is you could create these wonderful things, uh, wonderful programs, but the access, the access of the people getting to it and making it work for them. So, for example, the solution that worked for me when I was homeless with a lot of children, I went to school. Okay, fine. Now I have my education. I'm put into action. I'm going to school, making sure I pass and get my degree. But the access that I needed also was the means to be able to do that. So, for example, and know that it's there and and, and that it's available. So in the time when I was the iron duck doing welfare reform, and I was told, listen, you either scrub these toilets or you lose your PA. We don't want you going to school. That's before we had (laughs) welfare to work. Um, we had welfare to work programs, but that's before education was incorporated into the um, PA system where you could go to school. You couldn't go to school. You couldn't go to college. They wanted you to do what you needed to do. So I had to have access to resources that supported me with my action and my knowledge. And I was lucky to have that through Hunter College Welfare Rights Initiative. And to this day, they're still fighting for college students who were in my situation to go to school and get their education so they can be successful because sometimes education is an avenue to get out of that situation and have financial independence. So it depends, like I said, on which area you want to pick. My passion is to help those who went through my situation. And like I said, you can have the knowledge, you can put the action behind it without the access, you know, and uh, the last example for that, ex-convicts. I do know for a fact that the returned citizens um, who are not called ex-convicts, they're called returning citizens, um, when they re-enter the workforce, uh, there there are re-entry programs while they're transitioning, while they're on parole from prison. There are, uh, I know that Department of Correction and Community Supervision, they are working hard in that area of re-entry services, housing, work, uh, you know, you have programs such as Fortune Society, you have programs such as Ready, Willing, and Able for that transition that can cater to that person's background of a criminal history. Excellent. So I want to bring another panelist on Tyler, right now. Tyler. Yes. Hold on one second, Ron. Hold on one second. Ron, hold on one second. I want to bring another panelist on. So, okay. Tricia, can you introduce yourself briefly, please? please? Yes. Good, good morning and happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Uh, my name is Trisha O'Connor. Um, I'm, I'm the CEO of uh, Real Estate O'Connor. I'm the chair of housing for Community Board 17 in East Flatbush. I teach real estate at McGevers College. I'm one of the appointed board directors for the New York State Department of State that makes the rules and regulations for real estate agents in the state of New York. I'm the youngest and only person of color out of the five brokers. Um, Amongst other things, I know you were just talking about go, about the, the prison system. I go into Rikers Island, and I educate uh, the inmates on housing. You know, a lot of them come out and, and to prevent them from going into homelessness or uh, give them the resources that they, when they call home, you know, one, one kid called home and said, Mom, you know, I know you're not getting any heat at home. Well, this lady named Trisha came into the office and came into the, the jail and was telling us who to call. About, about homelessness. So that's pretty much it. Thank you for having me. So, Ron, before I come to you, I want to throw the question to Tricia. Tricia, the question we were asking is, um, when we look at affordable housing, mental health, gentrification, unemployment, underemployment, prison system, credit system, the for-profit businesses that benefit off of all of this, as well as touching on veterans, um, can you pick one of those areas and talk about how it affects us as black people and in regards to homelessness? Yeah, affordable housing. If you look around, you know, you know, I'm from I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Everywhere we turn, we see a storage unit, a storage building building up. Those buildings could have easily, easily been affordable housing, but instead they're storage units. It's it's almost like the city chose to make money off of us as 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 through our belongings and our lives. You know, the storage unit. The city actually pays for the homeless to store their, their, their belongings. 
you know, it's very easy to own a home, uh, a storage building. You're talking about you don't have landlord-tenant court. You don't have to pay for water. You don't have to have over-insurance for, for, for people being there. When and, and you can get someone's belongings out in, in a month. No courts involved. So affordable housing is a big issue because instead of giving us affordable permanent housing, and I could go into this forever about why they chose to give us storage units over affordable housing, it's 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 amazing, but it's it's hurtful, and I see our community is the one that's failing the most with this happening. So Ron, I know you wanted to add to something. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two 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 quick points. One, the sister mentioned about vet. Homeless vets, that's like an oxymoron. How can you serve this country and come home, God bless, alive, and in many cases, you know, with some level of disability, what have you, and become homeless? How does it, see, certain things just doesn't fit. It shouldn't fit. Um, homeless vet, that should never even be a part of a topic, a part of a, a, a report or, or some statistic. It should never even, even happen, no matter what the situation. You serve. And, 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 and God, you're blessed to come back after serving. That should not even be, be, a, be an issue. Secondly, some of your panelists may you know, have differed with me, but gentrification, gentrification, we, we, we are party to gentrification. Our, 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 uh, the political systems that buy into gentrification is born out of economics. And we're, we're party to that. Other than those large maybe coming in and, 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 and eminent domain up in West Harlem, you got your Columbia Universities with eminent domain taking over, what have you. We wholesale our communities. What was once affordable in Williamsburg, Bed-Stuy, Brownsville, now even East New York, are no longer affordable. So I want to ask this question. Those, I saw, are, those are some of the issues that we, we buy into that. Ron, I saw a movie called Gentrified um, Ethnic Cleansing. It was a movie created by Jason Black, and he was talking about how gentrification is really a form of ethnic cleansing of the black community, and that's partly what gentrification is used for. So they're, they're moving black people out of their neighborhoods, but they're not coming up with a solution for where these black people will go. And what they're kind of hinting at towards the film is they really want you to go away <laughs> like there's no place for you in this China, country they're not moving us we're selling it um part of it we don't own a lot of that land like we're selling stuff and i'll let trisha touch on that too but we a don't own a lot harlem, of that land a lot of harlem the brownstones in harlem we're black owned so trisha why don't you add to that but that's because we're, that's because we're uneducated we're uneducated i've been studying real estate for 19 years the, we, the people don't know the people half of the stuff when i teach real estate some people have owned seven homes. They don't know real estate. They don't understand it. They don't have the value of it. It's not. It's not taught in in a, in a, in a, to generations. You know, I have an eight year old, a two year old, and a one year old. My eight year old is in my office learning real estate from now. This is not something that we teach. This is not something that we we go out and we go and get an apartment even understand what a lease means or what the terms in, in, in the lease means. People go out and bought homes and got loans and gave mortgages and don't even understand what they were signing. They don't even understand so the responsibility. So Ron, when you, Ron, when you say we're selling... You know, you the, know Ron, Ron, hold on, hold on. Either. Ron, when you say you're selling, we're selling the homes, are you blaming us for gentrification? Yeah. You're blaming us for gentrification. No, I'm saying we're part... We're part and parcel, and she, the, 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 the sister there just explained it. We don't know, nor do we take the time to know. So, but what's the percentage of ownership from black people compared to all the gentrification that's going on in, in neighborhoods where black people live? I mean, think about that. Like, well, how much do we really own that we're doing this, this much to ourselves? Yes, the brownstones, the brownstones and Bed-Stuy, many of them were black owned. Okay. The what? brownstones in Harlem, <clears throat> majority of them were black owned. They weren't renters, they but, were owners. But we have black people living on the Lower what East Side, Washington Heights, all through the Bronx, all through other neighborhoods in Brooklyn that are not traditionally black neighborhoods and we're being gentrified out. That has nothing to do with black people owning 
having home ownership in any of those neighborhoods and we're still being gentrified out so whether older people are selling or the the grandchildren are selling because they're not educated i mean us selling homes is, is a small percentage of how gentrification is affecting us so i do want to move on though i want to touch on homelessness right people in the streets yesterday i was with some youth and we were going to a film festival and there was a man on the train with his pregnant wife and they were saying they were homeless and they needed help. And one of the young boys told me he wanted to help out. So he wanted to give something. So I said, all right, if you feel, you know, in your heart, you want to give something, go ahead and do it. And he whipped out a bill. So I thought he was giving a guy a dollar. He ended up giving a guy five dollars. And this is a 13 year old boy. <clears throat> I was really proud of him. I was like, wow, you know, he's giving probably half his lunch money away to, to some homeless people. So how does that affect you guys personally? Um, emotionally, when you see homeless people on the street and you know you're kind of doing okay, um, but these people clearly aren't. I'm going to go with you, Tricia, first. Um, how does that affect you when you actually see homelessness in front of you? Listen, homelessness does not look like homelessness when I was a little girl. When someone was homeless when I was a little girl, they had a mental issue. They were a crackhead. People called them a bum. People that are homeless today look like me and you. People, people exactly. work for the city and have a pension plan and are homeless, right? I had to explain to my eight-year-old daughter that when she goes to school, if, so, if, a, if a child in her class is homeless, that she cannot look down on them because they are no different from her. So that's, that's just the new age. they rather take us out of our homes and take us out of our apartments. And yes, a lot of it is education. A lot of it is ignorance selling off as well. But we're going into these homeless shelters and there's no transition for us. When you go into a homeless shelter, there are no apartments. You have some of these, some people who are homeless, especially a man. If, if you're a man and you go into a homeless shelter, that's it. Unless you go and get married or you go and get a better job, you're stuck there. So it, 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 it's a rat race, and unfortunately it's a rat race that is going to be very hard for us to get out of, and it's only getting worse. With the, with the foreclosures that are happening, with the people, yes, that are selling their homes, with the people who are being scammed, this homeless rate is only going higher and higher and higher. So I want to come to Candace next. Candace, when you see homeless people on the street or some of the people you're working with during your out, doing your outreach, um, how does that make you feel personally? Um, I'm thank you. I just I really do want to touch on that. Um, first of all, it's extremely heartbreaking, and Trisha makes a really good point. Until I got involved, and they don't break you. Some a lot of people do think homelessness looks like what she said. You know, like people asking for money on the street, or you know, even people sleeping in the street. And it's way beyond that. Like I said, I work for the city council, and sometimes when people come in and they say to me, "I'm homeless," I'm looking at them and I'm saying, "How?" know like look just like me you dress nicely and it's affecting so many people so many people right next to you that and you don't even realize it you know but being out and even just walk and get on the train and having someone ask for a dollar or if you can help them buy something it's extremely heartbreaking because i want to help everyone you know i want to do everything that i can to make sure that these people are okay and unfortunately I can't and that's why I do the work that I do to help where I can and to bring other people in to help where we can and it's part to see but it's also warming to see how you can touch the life of someone with just a couple hours a day or you know just going down and sitting down and talking to someone you know saying I brought you this sandwich today or you know I was able to pick up some clothes today because I know that you need that and it's, it's, they're very, they're extremely grateful for that, you know, so it, it hurts me. It, it really does. It affects me emotionally, and it's so hard for me to see, and that's why I, I'm trying to do everything that I can where I can. So, Toshar, I want to come to you. When, we, when you look at people who are homeless, or if you're working with people who are homeless, um, how does that affect you personally? <laughs> well... When I see that, as I stated, and as all the panelists have stated so eloquently, it's humbling. It's humbling because I was there with kids and pregnant. Okay? That's number one. Number two, it's humbling because it's humbling because 
I feel that my experience brought me to a place where a lot of people need to be, like the panelists are saying. Because, like uh, someone said, homelessness is not how it looked before. You know, it, it was just a certain type of category, you know, displaced workers, uh, the Great Depression, people looking for work at the railroads, so they're migrating. Okay, you evolved to, like you said, gentrification, modern day as we know it now, of homelessness. And the misconception is that it can't happen to you. Some people, <clears throat> excuse me, are covering paychecks away from being homeless, and they're not realizing it. And that's a per- that would be a personal hardship. You have natural disasters going on more than ever in this day and age. That can lead to homelessness. Divorce, which is common, had a high rate sometimes due to socioeconomic situations. That can lead to homelessness. Um, like I touched upon, my experience with domestic violence. Um, and so for me, it's a constant check in reality. The issue that I have with that, besides, like, what everyone's saying, you know, you could fall in the category of being, having a job but not affording the, the you know, the housing, those are the great areas, you know. You you um, are working but still living in poverty. You're unable to find work, you know. It could be a number of things, but, and, and like we touched upon the mentally ill, but... You know, the three primary, I think the three ways to, we could say the three ways to approach, let's say we all touched upon the three ways to approach and solve homelessness. To stabilize the trauma of homelessness by providing a home. Okay, we all touched upon that. Empowering individuals, you know, with the choices, uh, with, you know, opportunities, education, that's how to help me. We could, we could touch upon that. Alleviating the symptoms and, and having support services and uh, organizations alleviating the symptoms of so we can touch upon that, but my big issue um, that keeps me wanting to stay in this uh, group of awareness with homelessness, homelessness is the access. We could talk about this all day. We could talk about what's wrong, what, what can be done, or all of the um, things we're doing to help, but the access that the people need in their certain situation, sometimes it's limited, and limited for a reason. And we all did touch upon it. It, it, it you know, and you too, Todd, you did mention it. You know, it, it could be a systemic situation that will develop into all of these things. But what happens when you have the problem? Why, why aren't the solutions being accessible to everybody? You know? Like like one of the panelists said, why 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 aren't we being taught how to manage our money as little kids? Why why in schools or public schools I should say, why aren't we being taught besides two choices? You go to college when you finish school or if you don't make it there for whatever reason, you you, you drop out, do a trade, you know, uh you may go to prison. You know, why is the system built like that? So you got to sit back and ask yourself, why is it like that? It's not always the people's fault. And sometimes people are limited to the access, what they need to get where they need to go. So that's my whole spiel about it. And I'm glad you touched on the uh, natural disasters. And a lot of this is, is generational as well. There's generational wealth that we don't have as a community um, when it comes to housing and, and, and uh, bringing things down to your children. And your children's children and then one thing we did not mention is also hunger you know food and lack of food is a, another effect um that the homeless people will suffer from um there's a there's a tv series called pose and they talk about gay runaways and how the children who are running away from home are being thrown out their home because of their their gender lifestyles or their gender identification um how they end up homeless um so you guys might want to check out that tv series pose um, because that's a good series as well and it's touching on some of those topics so I want to come to you Ron Um, pick any of the issues we talked about today and I want you to elaborate on it as far as the work that you're doing 
um, or that your business does that's trying to help improve any of these issues. Again, we were looking at hunger, affordable housing, mental health, gentrification, employment, prison, credit, um, the big businesses that are benefiting off of all of these issues, um, veterans, generational wealth, and we'll, we'll leave out natural disasters, but any of those issues that can uh, make a person homeless, and we know there's a lot more, but touch on that, but be more specific about what you guys are doing specifically to help. Well, uh, thanks, uh, Tyler. Uh, we're, we're taking a two-pronged approach. One is that, well, not so much one, we realize that it's our responsibilities to to really create the social, economic, political dynamic that will lead us away from homeless. So one, we are uh, financial ed- education and financial literacy. And we've de- we develop and or use other curriculums to teach the younger generation, um, youth entrepreneurship, or those who are coming out of the prison system, look at the, the various other economic generating opportunity. I mean, they got skills up the yang. I mean, that's why they got in the prison. They just didn't have it in the right direction. They can flip this, their skill set to other areas, entrepreneurship, begin to develop those kinds of educational institutions. Also, as well, I, I still have a foot in, in real estate. So we look at how do we, how do we make the best use of, of, of real estate, both the asset as well as the financing side of that, to create those opportunities that are so-called you know, uh, affordable in certain areas. How do we give the best quality for the least amount of prices? So we look at that, not just the profit motive, motive, but how do we, you know, create that kind of dynamic and the things that we do relative to, to housing? Because as I mentioned before, it's a, it's a political, social, economic, all of these have a political, social, economic, economic tie in how we participate either either voluntarily or involuntarily. And I challenge everyone, even even the sister, as you were in the, in the system there, going through the system, not in it, but going through the system, what were the other cultures? How many homeless do you see in Sunnyside, Crown Heights, you know, the various other areas who are representative of those particular cultures? How many, you know, those that, that, that are, are, are of Asian culture, do you actually notice or see that are, are homeless? There's a whole other dynamic going on. And we've got to look at those social, cultural dynamics and why we're out there like that, and begin to begin to put the 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 political, social, economic uh, uh, power behind behind you know our solutions. So for us, we're two. We also do health because we believe that health is directly tied in to your to your emotional, to your ability to earn, your ability to to think in a in a critical kind of, kind of way, so we also tie tie in health as a part of the things that we impart to the next to the next generation. We got to get to them young. We got to get them into elementary school. We got to begin to support STEM programs that are tracking our kids towards directions that are future jobs. And the uh, cybersecurity report was saying that at the rate that they're that they're training uh, those for the cybersecurity, if they keep it up for the next ten years, they still won't be able to fill the jobs in cybersecurity. Security. So we've got those who, of us who are in positions to look at things strategically have to make those our issues and those are our, our mantelpieces, whether it be political, social, economic, to give to that next generation. We've got to start looking downward at the next generation coming upward and begin to teach them about real estate. Yes. Teach Thanks. them about having them there. You know, using the Monopoly game, if you will, to teach them, go back to Monopoly and do those kind of things. Thank you, Ron. So I want to bring that to Candace. Um, what are you and or your organization doing specifically to help remedy the problem of homelessness? Um, so I'm fairly new to the work that I've been doing to help homelessness. Um, a couple years ago, I started going to different homeless shelters and just working there for a couple hours over the weekend to help serve and prepare breakfast, lunch, and dinner for people experiencing homelessness. And on one particular occasion, I had a conversation with a woman who was experiencing homelessness, and she said to me, like, I don't have any toiletries. You know, what can you do to help me? And, you know, she was someone who just recently became homeless, and she said something as simple as, 
pads and tampons she couldn't get anymore. She had to now make those things herself, whether it was using paper towels or napkins or whatever the case was. She went from having something that was so accessible to her to not having at all. So um, recently, and I started last year, once, a, once, um, once over the summer, I run a month-long toilet drive where I have different community centers and hair salons and restaurants set up donation locations in their business, and I advertise and promote throughout the whole city asking people for toiletries, anything that you may need to maintain healthy hygiene, these people need too. Um, so just we're asking to do your part to donate. So I'm pushing that currently this month, and we've been getting a lot of great feedback for it. And once everything's done, we collect all the toiletries, um, we bag them up in purses and book bags, and we go out, physically go out into the streets or go out to these different um, organizations that are helping other people experiencing homelessness, and we just give them all these toiletries. So I know it, it, it's small, but, um, you know, it's a step in a direction that I want to continue to move in where I can continue to offer my help and my services to people experiencing homelessness. And no steps are small. That's a big step. And you're appreciated for doing that. Thank also, you. also, Ron and I was at a conference last week and one of the ladies was talking about the, the hurricane effects in Puerto Rico. And she was saying a lot of the homeless mm-hmm. kids have nothing to do and toys are very helpful and it's very helpful for their development. So along with the toiletries, we also want to donate some toys for the children who are in the system as well. That's amazing. So I'm going to I'm going to come to Trisha. Thank you. And Trisha, how are you and your company? What are you guys doing specifically to help the uh, issues of homelessness? Well, I'm 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 educating people. That's the thing that I that I do. That I go out and I educate the people. In fact, two of my students at Medgar Evers College were um, homeless. One of them actually worked for the city, and the reason why they said they decided to take the class was because they wanted to know how to help themselves better. So I'm just trying to give them all the tools and let everyone know, you know, what, how did we get here? What does it mean? How do we get out of it? Uh, what is the overall solution, and what is, you know, the independent solution for it? How can you you know, a stay above. You know, I rented an apartment. I don't normally rent apartments, but I did rent an apartment. I had someone who came to me and needed a three-bedroom rented, and, and, I, and, I, and I was able to find someone who was in a program to get it. And this family, um, a husband, a wife, and a baby, they were making, you know, good money, and they were homeless. So the city, you know, paid for them to come into this apartment for a year, which, which, I, which I think is a great program for the, for the city to help out, not just the individual, but, you know, the, the middle-income landlord who couldn't benefit from, from this income. However, the flaw is that the, the tenant didn't have, to, didn't have to pay any money for the whole year. And now how much financial literacy are we giving this, this person who came from the shelter, who has a good-paying job, and doesn't have to pay rent for a whole year. You know, and I turned to them when I rented them the apartment, and I said, I hope you come back next year looking to purchase your first home. So I I think that's what it is. We have to give the education because I'm hoping that this particular family and other families like them, that they're knowing to save. They're knowing to budget out. You know, I may not have to pay, you know, $1,800 in rent, but let me put away $1,500 so I have, I'm in that habit, and I have money saved. But that's just what I'm trying to do, just trying to teach generational wealth, home buying, showing people the, the importance of buying versus selling. Excellent, and you are appreciated as well. Tashar, I'm coming to you next. What specifically are you doing and or your company's doing to uh, remedy some of the issues that we're seeing through homelessness? Okay. So what I did was already, I wrote a book. What better way to describe to someone who's going through homelessness by being your own poster child for that cause? And and that's what I feel I am. Everything happens for a reason in your life, and that's my purpose. And so in the book, um, like I said, I have different strategies for that individual person and at the end of each chapter is a journaling experience for them to reflect on themselves 
uh, with with questions stemming from the chapter, like entitled like the system. Opportunity meets preparation. Chapter two. Chapter one is having your own. Right. Chapter three is building character through determination. Chapter four is networking. Build your team from the ground up. Chapter five, facing your fears, unfinished business. Chapter six, staying laser focused through adversity. And chapter seven is live. And like I said, at each end of the chapter, I help. I have a question for the individual going through what I went through, um, parallel paralleling where they are in their journey, and for them to get centered. It, it, it comes from within because. Like all the panelists, they're sharing, you know, some, like I said, this, you first you have to, and coming from the outside now, what I'm doing now, uh, you have to ask, assess the individual needs, and you got to take it from there, because like everyone said, there's different needs for different individuals, uh, veterans, uh, returning citizens, youth, runaways, a whole host of it, right? So once you access the individual needs, you take it from there, Um and as everyone keeps saying, you get, in, get the people the knowledge, you know, uh, through access, you know, so their actions can be rewarding and, and help them succeed. But the big, the big part that, that, to me, respectfully saying that I like to do, um, it's three. So we have a wealth of, excuse me, resources in this day of age compared to what was available in the past. So me, my business, and my business partner, we have JMS Investors and Consultation. So that's where we focus on entrepreneurship. I'm really big on entrepreneurship. You have ex-cons, I'm sorry, you have what was considered ex-cons back in the day. You have returned citizens. Even the lingo is changing. We have, to, we have to conform with that. We have to respect the fact that, yes, you are returning, but guess what? There's some stipulations that you can't get a job, so what do you do? Entrepreneurship and, and quite the kept. Uh, a lot of people who are returning citizens have a lot of skills, and they can apply in entrepreneurship. Um, I feel that babies in elementary school, like you said, we all said, teach them while they're, they're growing in schools. I believe Ron touched upon that. Have that access available to kids now. Entrepreneurship. I don't want to hear that when I'm finished high school, I have to go to college. If I don't go to college, then what next? I mean, come on, teach me while I'm little. Pull out as a teacher, extract from me what my gifts and talents are. So maybe if I want to have a business to fall back on when my degree is not working because of the economy, I have that. I could create my own business. So, you know, we have a lot of these talents. I think, Trish, this is what I'm looking for <laughs> with JMS Investors and Consultation. And plus people, uh, you know, at, with my book who, who read through it. I'm passionate about it with people's talents, like Trish touched upon. She just said a lady made tampons herself. I think it was Trisha Candace said a lady made tampons herself because she could she didn't have it, right? And then she said she did a tampon campaign. Well, you give me that lady because what I'm going to do is have her start her own tampon business and put that money in her own pocket. So that's knowledge with education and and access to entrepreneurship through financial grants. Okay, for example. So they can become financially independent and take action and live better. That's where it's at, and that's where I'm at. Great. So I have one minute left on the broadcast. um, Trisha, how can people find you and hook up with you? They can find me. um, I'm on social media at TrishaOconna.com. That's T-R-I-S-H-A-O-C-O-N-A.com. My company is Real Estate O'Connor, Real Estate O-C-O-N-A.com. that's the best way. Trisha at TrishaOconna.com. They can also find me. 90 seconds. I'm in Rikers Island. I'm giving out resources. I'm in the community giving out resources. And Thanks for having me. Thank you as well. Trisha, if people want to buy your book, where can they go? Okay. So uh, they can go to Trisha. My name is spelled T and then Tom O Ostrich S as in Sam. H-A-R.net. So that's spelled Trisha.net. Uh, with that link, you would get a signed copy, or you go to Amazon.com. If you want to contact me, seconds. go on my website, booksbytashar at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram, welfare underscore two underscore queen, and I'm on Facebook uh, as welfare to queen. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And Candace, where can people find you? 
Um, if people want to find me, they can find me on all social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Destin4TV. That's Destin, the number four, TV. Um, you can also search me on Facebook by looking up Candace Morales, um, Candace with an A, not an I. And if anyone wants to get involved with the toiletry drive or um, discuss any ways that they can help and assist in this, they can send me an email at Candace, C-A-N-D-A-C-E dot Morales, M-O-R-A-L-E-S at gmail.com. And Ron, where can people find you? Ten seconds. Very quick, quickly, someone said your network, your net worth is your network. So I'm looking forward to networking with each and every one of you. Uh, Omega Diversified at gmail.com. That's Omega Diversified at gmail.com. Uh, Ron Peterson, uh, 646, actually 347-470-1280. And as always, today is Father's Day, so we want to wish all the fathers out there happy Father's Day. And if you see any homeless people out there today, especially the men, um, get them something to eat, give them a few dollars because um, they definitely need it. I thank you guys for being panelists on the broadcast. And as always, in our resource page, there will be listings of all your contact information so people can find you. Thank you for being panelists again, and I will see you guys in two weeks. Peace.